That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast rewatching and dissecting Batman v Superman one minute at a time. And boy, have we arrived at a big one. <laughs> yeah. In a few different ways, right? Minute 115, this is where Lex Luthor sort of begins his, I'll say, most plot-critical monologue here as the movie takes a turn into a new act where he states... If someone listens to this podcast before seeing the movie, they will assume that Lex has been listening to our discussion of the dilemma of Superman, the the problem with Superman, the Superman question this entire time. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, as we, it's one of those things that happens frequently in, in this, but this is one of those times where we will say this is one of those minutes that's kind of, this is what this whole thing is about. So it's not that there's other minutes where that definitely kind of bring all these things together. But I think maybe more than anywhere else, this is sort of like, this is, as you would say, what this movie is capital A about. <laughs> yeah. I guess let's start by getting into the minute. Minute 115, <laughs> as, as Alex so perfectly stated at the end of the previous minute, boy, have we got problems up here and started his egg timer, cueing us to begin Minute 115. Uh, the, the problem of, of evil in the world. Uh, the problem of absolute virtue. The problem of you on top of everything else. You above all. Ah, because that's what God is. Horus, Apollo, Jehovah, Kal-El, Clark, Joseph, Kent. The minute begins... We'll just lay this out before we really start diving in here, because this is like, you know, we're, we're dipping our toes off the side of the boat and there's just a, a massive lake underneath us, but. Yeah. Or off the, off the edge of LexCorp Tower and there is a, Harsh. a, a city of his chessboard beneath us. Yeah. So as, as people may remember, or if not, here's a reminder that Lex says, boy, do we have problems up here? He continues in this minute by saying the problem of evil in the world, the problem of absolute virtue, the problem of you on top of everything else, you above all, because that's what God is. And this is where we realize that this is going to be, we had no idea that this entire movie was a continuation of J.L. Mackey versus Alvin Plantinga in the debate over, well, atheism or theism by this exact same uh, idea eventually put forward by Lex, the problem of evil in the world. Yeah. And I was, I was going to say that this is, I think, one of those areas where some of the criticisms against this, a lot of people say that Lex, or, or Chris Terrio specifically, thinks he's smart, but it's actually, people will compare, they'll say it's philosophy 101 and all those things. And no. a lot of that stems from literally the label. He says the problem of evil, quote, quote unquote, is a phrase yeah, yeah. that he drops here, which is kind of like atheism 101. Like that is the name of one of the most foundational or commonly used proofs against the existence, or at least against the power or the, the omnipotence of God. 
Yeah, the the commonly held fundamental beliefs of a, I will just say, you know, Christian God. Right. Uh, or, or, you know, it applies to, I think, any kind of monotheistic benevolent ruler that fundamentally the things people believe about them are flawed, do not work, are illogical because there is both absolute virtue and evil in the world. Yeah. And I think that I understand why people would say that it's not actually that deep because this is a such like a basic basic philosophy because he he literally drops the the problem of evil in the world and it it's a I think people would assume oh if something someone as smart as Lex like if you find like the leading like the thought leaders of like humanist or or atheist philosophy probably wouldn't necessarily rely on this because as an argument because this is would be considered basic and and kind of well well argued throughout history however i think there's a little bit more to it than than people are giving it credit for once he starts explaining it and on on top of that though also don't forget like this is a movie so there is an extent to which yeah sure some of the philosophy will be a little bit basic because they're not exactly going to dive into like a 300 level course on philosophy and religion in a in a in a comic book movie. I don't think that that means that it's lesser or anything, but I just think that's a little bit of a funny characterization. Well, I mean it'd be the same as taking Jonathan Kent saying maybe I don't know if you should save those people as you're not supposed to think any more about what this is tapping into at all. You're just supposed to take these words and then that's it. Don't right. look into this anymore like this is film. You're supposed to this stuff is supposed to resonate with you. I think it's important to call out that to say this is basic philosophy we need to define there's a difference between obvious and introductory and foundational and fundamental exactly in terms of you know philosophy as it applies to faith or theology this is one of the biggest debates this is kind of the all encompassing debate of the smartest people in the world to which there is no you know like you said there is no solution it's it is here is a defense and here is a defense in face of the defense, a counter defense that now we basically arrive at this fundamental issue, which Lex has arrived at. And I think the fact that there is no answer totally informs why Lex has been consumed by this and also what side of this debate he finds himself on. Exactly. And it's also important to note, stemming from him talking to Lois, I compared it to like tipping the first domino on his on his plan and it all kind of coming this is the point at which like the point of no return and he's also talking to her about euclid and we talked about uh euclidean geometry and how it's based on these very simplistic sort of foundational rules of what is essentially logic to prove math which is like a purist that it's it's very much an abstraction of logic we are not dealing with you're dealing with numbers in place of concepts but the, but the rules are all the same. And so then if you look at coming off of that, this whole presentation to Superman, this minute is him basically laying out his, his tenets of his reasoning here. The yeah. problem of evil versus good. The problem of you over everyone else. And then, then he goes to the next step. Oh, because that's what God is. And so he says, there is evil and there is good. And that's a, and that's a problem. And then the fact that you are above everyone else is a problem. And that is like what God is. God is above everyone else. And so you see like, that's the transitive property, right? Uh, because, uh, and he says, Horus, Apollo, Jehovah, Kal-El, 
Clark you, Joseph yeah. Kent. So again, transitive property. So that's how I am applying this philosophy to you. I'm 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 adding another another tenet, another rule to my line of reasoning. What we call God depends on our tribe. Once again, escalating this down to here's how I can distill all of these thoughts about God and the world. Yeah, we didn't realize this was Lex Luthor's TED talk. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm projecting this all onto you. And so each of these is much less an argument in and of itself. Whereas this is not Lex thinking, oh, I'm so smart. I figured this out. This is him saying, here is a thing that exists, good and evil. Here is a thing that exists, you. Here is where you stand above everyone else in the same way that God does. Here's how we treat God. So therefore, here's how you apply to this framework. And so Hmm. I'm proving a point through you. Exactly. A lot of his actual argumentation on this or his actual point kind of comes in the next minute. But this is less him having a revelation or or philosophy so much as just laying the ground rules for here is the framework by which we will the, I, I really like the term sense-making mechanism. Here is my tool, my lens through which we are going to examine the world and therefore examine Superman and therefore come to conclusions about your existence and our existence and how they relate. I think there's also a, a miniature arc here in Lex where he originally said the oldest lie in America is that power can be innocent. So he's still maintaining an appearance of morality and, right. and or at least ethics. Right. In saying that I understand what I'm doing, but really the what, what says it is bad uh, is a lie. Yeah. It's right. It's something that I've seen through. And now we're moving into the realm where his 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 statement here. Maybe I'll, I'll frame this for people to go and do their own research. You can tell me if I'm I'll try to condense this as simply as I can for for an entry into what is obviously the biggest question. And this is, again, not Lex saying, why do bad things happen to good people? He's using terminology that is far more pointed. Mm-hmm. J.L. Mackey, a philosopher and just intellectual about, I'm not going to get into the terminology, very, very smart thinking guy. And he made what is considered one of the best defenses of atheism, defense of atheism. This is not, <laughs> this is not like a, an active debate that's happening. It's way more entrenched than that. But- he opened up one of his books, one of his main releases, by saying there are no objective values. So that informs his view of the world and and human interaction as a, as a thinker. You know, he wasn't like a psychopath. Like I'm not saying he was. <laughs> you know, this was how he operated in the world. But as as an intellectual and a philosopher, there is no right and wrong because what could that possibly mean? We make up what that means. Not everyone agrees on it. It makes total sense for Lex to come out on this side of the argument and say, no, there are no objective values. There's no good or evil. There's no right or wrong. This dilemma that I'm in is an intellectual one. Um, This is how he's framing it. This is how he's framing it as this minute begins, is that this is an intellectual riddle Things that other people see as riddle, he seems very impassioned. So it seems like this is paradoxical uh, in the same way of the things that infuriated him way back when he was giving his speech. But this state, this idea, if God is all powerful, all knowing, and all absolute virtue, then the fact that evil exists in the world, that evil is allowed to exist in the world, makes that entire thing illogical. It doesn't add up. Um, you want to bring in the idea of free will? Well, God could make people always choose the right thing to do, right? In this, in this, he's not saying this personally, but the argument would be 
God could make people always do morally the right thing and still choose to do it, but but that doesn't happen, so that isn't it. And then, it's a very intelligent argument, but as I said, Alvin Plattinga, you can pronounce his last name however you want, <laughs> comes along and says, well, I'm going to mount a, a counter defense by saying that I think free will actually makes this, this is kind of the key to it, that an abs- a being with absolute virtue, even saying would make people always do the right thing because the right thing exists and as this defined thing is not really a sophisticated argument or, or saying that Mackey did not actually take the extra step to disprove anything. This was simply a defense. And if I bring in and say that free will exists into the equation, then this is actually a, a strong counter. And then we end up a kind of a stalemate. They, you know, they continue to go back and forth. And obviously this is not their only great, they're great thinkers in each of their, you know, fields. But this question that Lex puts forward is starting this specific debate. Yes. This, this specifically informed debate. And the more you learn about this, the more you will enjoy what is happening in this scene. Because boy, does it tie directly into the entire question that Clark has been facing. All of the pundits on television arguing right back to Jonathan Kent in Man of Steel is what do you choose to do? How do you know to choose what is right? When we move now into this exact scene, what does the the um, uncertainty and the dilemma that Clark has been dealing with internally, now it's suddenly being made external? It almost feels like Clark has suddenly found himself on the opposite side of this debate and has not prepared for it. Or <laughs> well, I don't know, not has prepared for it, but maybe has been struggling with he agrees. Hmm. Or doesn't agree, but I mean, must there be a Superman? Well, he right? did. Like, Nothing stays good. At, yeah. And so, and so it's not just that he, he's in a position of defending himself. It's that he doesn't know that he would necessarily, um, at least pr- with his arc up until this point in, in the movie. He's very much like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I have failed to stop problems and I've created other problems and that is all a consequence of me having power. Does that mean I'm a, a, a fraud? Yeah. Or does that Alvin Pattinga would kind of pat, you know, <laughs> Superman on the shoulder and say, you know, hey, you're kind of, this guy is really, uh, he's taken an intellectual argument and is now almost weaponizing it. And I think that's, a, there's a really great interview. It's Alvin Pattinga for, um, uh, what was the interview? It's called Big Pictures of God on, on YouTube. Closer to Truth did it. And it is this question of, because when we bring into free will, this is Lex territory where you don't have free will, you know, is an argument that you'd make. There is no such thing as free will. Your idea of good and evil is taught to you. Right and wrong is conditioned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think we can go too deep into that because that is deeper than the movie needs to, I think. No, yeah, but I, I do believe that there is an interesting, the fact that that's his very first tenet of this thinking mechanism he has established here is that his his foundational superman arrives and he says boy do we have problems up here um and like i said that that frames the lex and superman as these are problems that we are line up nancy grace line up all of the people behind him right saying this guy's a menace yeah but also up here up at the top of this tower up above the world you and i are the two people who need to to settle 
the question of the problem of evil and the problem of absolute virtue. Yeah. I see that as this is how I kind of see this conversation playing out now is in this interview, the question is asked of where does the idea of a God start? Like where, where does that come from? Mm -hmm. And Plattinger says that it seems to be intrinsic in people that we are prepared to worship that there are like, you know, sociological reasons why people are predisposed to this, that we eventually come to believe in some kind of creator, someone made this, and that that figure is worthy of worship. Right. Right. That that we then ascribe good things to them and that that is the, that it becomes absolute virtue, right? And the kind of, it becomes this question of, well, God would be so unknowable so removed that then the question is we start to define a god by what they are not right right they are not evil well, they are not limited all of these things and then in the process you know at the same time we're saying what they are or aren't but it sets up this idea of this compulsion that is totally removed from what uh, totally removed and maybe opposed to what Lex is talking about. Lex is stopping. He's not looking at where it starts. He's saying, here I am. I am a genius. Mm-hmm. I have everything figured out. And this is fundamentally, I cannot get over. And I'm, as this minute goes on, more passionately enraged and driven to disprove this. Uh, I feel like he is saying, my existence now is to disprove the human instinct that makes you what you are. Yeah. It's it's deeper than just what this guy is that's standing in front of him. Like you were saying, Horus, Jehovah, right? It's he's he's literally equating that you are all this thing that I need to oppose because everything that this is tied to uh, a sense of morality, a sense of ethics, a sense of social interaction, a sense of human compulsion. Lex, we have been shown, is simply not wired that way, or, as this minute suggests, he has been stripped of that. Exactly. And I, and I think that that is a really, to examine that specifically with the, the problem of evil in the world, the problem of absolute virtue, and Lex finding issue with that, if you go back to, like you were talking about a, a creator who made everything, who is all-powerful and who is worthy of worship and who is, is the one who decides or sets the rules for what is good and what is bad. I think if you go back to, with like the Judeo-Christian, you go back to the Genesis account and whether or not that's going to be something that's treated as a, as a literal account or a metaphorical account, I mean, there's, there's as a metaphor alone, it has, there's a, a thematic sort of uh, narrative power there. If you look at the origin of the concept of the problem of evil and the problem of good, where in the story it says God created everything and he created uh, man and woman in his image. And so there's a lot of debate over what does that mean? It's a lot of people consider that the ability to create and to decide to make things, to make choices, to make institutions, to make things and <laughs> make opposites in the process, right? Exactly. And so is that really, are you really made in God's image or do you really, are you really made with the ability to make anything if you can only make something that the creator decided? You're not, you're not free if you're, totally. if you can't make something bad 
and you can only make things that are good. Well, now you're not you're not free. Now you're just just a machine. And so the origin of of good and evil per the story is that the the serpent told Adam and Eve that if you eat from they, they said we can eat from any tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which I always found that potent that it is the knowledge of good and evil is is what is what yeah, the, what is the opposite of knowing it would be ignorance yeah and so not innocence ignorance is not the same as innocence Stephen. yeah and they and they say well he said if we eat from that tree we will die and the serpent says the serpent who is the embodiment of the devil and who we were just talking about this about lex last minute with the the quote from lolita about about being evil right is that i will uh, you can you can trust the, the villain because no one else will tell you the truth. He says there will be a slant, but but nobody else will will say that. And what, so what the serpent says is, no, you won't die if you eat from this tree. What will happen is you will have the power of God to know the difference between good and evil. And so then eating from that tree wasn't just them disobeying a rule, but it was them deciding we are a superior we have superior capability or equivalent capability to know what is good and what is bad and decide that for ourselves. And instead of subscribing our perspective on good and evil to a gold standard written by the creator, we think that we can do that as well. And that, and the, when they did that, that introduced entropy into the world, which is no, they didn't die because they ate the apple or the fruit or whatever from the, 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 the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, what happened was they introduced entropy into the world. And so from that moment, because things are no longer anchored in truth. No, no longer any diamond absolutes, perfect things. Exactly. And, and perfect things deteriorate. And so, yeah. and so sure, we have an idea, but it is no longer a perfect idea. And so in the same way that you take a, talking about geometry in the last one, in a circle, and the idea that like pi is not this perfect round number it just kind of continues it's not a clean bow tied on it number it, you think about it in terms of like i don't know you have a wheel or whatever and and the the axle is slightly off center that's going to stress over time and sure it'll it'll seem fine but it, it erodes until the point where it it breaks off and so that means things eventually die and things deteriorate and go away and so so and so to lex that is that is the the problem is the notion that evil exists and good exists and we can choose between them, but also how would a, a God who is actually good allow us to do those things? Well, and then put, put Lex into the body of Adam as the, the most bittersweet among men is to have knowledge but no power, right? Exactly. Well, and to be the one who decides. He, like this, this whole thing is him saying... How dare somebody other than me tell me what is good and what is bad? Yeah, I, I think that's where he gets. I think right now he is mounting an intellectual argument and is still pretending that this is his intellect mm -hmm. that, that has driven this, right? Is that it isn't – here's the question that isn't being answered. And I'm the smart guy who is calling out this question and then drawing my conclusions. And then when we get into what his conclusions are in a second, it quickly spirals into, oh, right. I uh, for, excuse me. For 25 seconds, I forgot about Lex's crippling daddy issues. Yeah, I was going to say that's perfect timing to transition to that because we've almost 
you're almost tempted to like, what do we talk about for the majority of this minute? Do we talk about the like philosophical heady, like logic and, and philosophy that he's bringing into this? Or do we talk about the, the personal story and background and, and character stuff going on with him and what he says about his dad and his relationship with what, what happened to him as a child and his trauma. And, you know, we could do a whole minute on, on each of these things. I did want to call out in that same interview, it, the, the foundational aspect of how that morality is formed. Planning literally says we, we start attributing all of these things to God, whether it's things that they are or are not. Mm-hmm. It builds in this idea that this figure is worthy of worship. And obviously, if they are one side of these things, then we ought to be on their side. Right. Well, and there's also an implicit, in order to accept that argument, there's an implicit, not an implicit assumption, but an implicit acceptance that is necessary that we are imperfect and there is a more perfect source of truth that exists outside of us. And when I say truth, that, you know, truth is what is good and what is like the, in its purest form, truth is what is good and evil. Oh, a, a truth, an unanswerable truth that exists outside of us. So Lex is intensely triggered for, for being presented with something that is unknowable, I think in general, probably. Mm-hmm. But yes, he makes this turn where he says that this is what, this is what God is. And he goes through this, to break from the philosophy, this awesome run of Horace, Apollo, Jehovah, Kalel, Clark, Joseph, Kent. It's been implied, obviously, with taking Martha that he knows, but this is where we get this moment of him base, of him saying to Clark, I know it's you, I have known it's you, mm-hmm. and now you have no secrets to me. Which, which is almost, it's, it's advancing this idea of, oh, he knows God. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fact that this entire argument is happening in Lex's moment of reveling in his own, look at all of the strings he pulled to get things to come here. Why would somebody who believes that they are capable of manipulating everything in the world around them to serve their ends be comfortable with the idea of free will? It's a well-rehearsed speech because he's, he, he steps through this bit by bit by saying he, – he does a pretty good injection of you know casual nature, you know uh, conversational, because – what people call God changes depending on our tribe because God is tribal and God takes sides. This is very clear uh, in every football game, you know, in every every person who wins an Oscar and gets on stage and says, I want to thank God. I think that's right. He liked you best mm. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody everybody was calling on that. Um, who did, Who is God? Whose side is God taking? And that is a, it's kind of an inversion of what Planninga was saying, but it's, but it is what people do. I mean, we see it every day, right? We, we saw a football game in this movie um, where who knows, they might've gathered around, whatever. It's college thing, right? At, at certain college, you <laughs> gather around a circle and pray like that's right. done. Um, you score a touchdown and you point to the sky. Exactly. You go down on a knee. Yeah. And, and he is saying, Lex says, God is tribal. God takes sides. It, it suggested that... He is still talking about Superman. <laughs> right. And then very quickly, he reveals, I think he reveals more in this minute than he means to, where he says, no, there was no God to save me from my father's fist and abominations. It's like an unforgettable. No man in the sky. Because the, the, the funny thing here, it's not that it doesn't destroy his 
sort of logical flow. But like I said, he's establishing these. A lot of the reason that he said these things was because like Superman isn't God and and sure he is like even, you know, Zach in Man of Steel. And in this movie uses the visual metaphors that people perceive him that way. But even if you accept the existence of a of a of a God in this universe, Superman is not doesn't even match that standard. And so but but it's necessary for him to establish here's what God is, here's what you are, you know, Horace, Jehovah, Cal L, Clark Joseph Kent. This is all to almost muddy the water a little bit to say, I'm going to hold you accountable for my problems with God. And and then even fudges it here, no man in the sky intervened. Sure, no Superman intervened, but how is that Superman's fault? Well, it's not. He wasn't around, he wasn't alive. But God didn't intervene, and he is mad at the idea of power above him because no power greater than him saved him. And I think that this is where he reveals that for him to even say, I have thought about and I have been aware of and concluded that nobody saved, nobody came and saved me from my father implies that he either explicitly hoped for that when he was younger— uh, or has come to grapple with that on a religious, you know, in a religious context of some kind, and then says, I learned, right? I learned that lesson early on, which is for him to have learned that lesson means he would have had to engage with that lesson. I don't know that this is explicitly saying that Lex as a kid was um, a believer, but I think that, that it's hard to imagine. I feel like this scene would be written differently, like literally written by him differently if he wasn't. This is also where he emotionally starts to rattle a little bit and gets, it is very personal. The big takeaway is that I think it ends with him saying, I learned that lesson. I saw that truth. And now they need to see it. I need to make other people see what I saw. And that makes it way more personal than I think the, the way that Lex is typically discussed or like we are talking about where this started off as an intellectual, a philosophical dilemma or, or question for him to answer and beat and solve and pull down from above him. This turns into a very personal, uh, emotional, you know, tr- trauma driven. This is the movie for that. The, uh, the trauma from his relationship with him and his father, it taught me something. And now I need to force everyone else to make sense of it the way that I do. That's a little future casting there. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's part of at this point is where it's, we're having trouble not leaking too much into the, into the next minute. Cause this is all, you know, continues on, but it's the, he is wrapping all of this very heavily in his intelligence and his, and his philosophy and, and his own power and, and framing this as that. But then when he gets to the personal side of it, the revelation, like you said, is that this, where did this originate? This originate, this perspective because he thought about it and, and philosophized and this is the c- conclusion that he came to, or is this rooted in his trauma and his pain? And, you know, the world only makes sense if you grapple with it in order to bend it to your way of viewing things in order to avoid borrowing a direct quote from later on. 
Well, yeah, I mean, borrowing directly is, oh, okay, so Lex learned a, a grand truth from his father that he has now had his eyes opened and must now act because the way forward is clear. My purpose is clear, and I am going to mask that being fueled by trauma in as much resolute you know, the <laughs> language that I can, but I'm not going to put up a perfect veneer. So he is perfect. He is exactly Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Well, and, and now that we're talking about Bruce, we go back to the idea of once again, is this just like basic philosophy? Is he just some, some, uh, you know, 17 year old dude on Reddit or is this, is there something more to this? And I think that's where it's revealed that no, this isn't actually about that, oh, this is just philosophy 101, he's not actually that smart, because that's not what he's doing. What this actually is, he's not grappling with the existence of God, he's grappling with his own feelings of powerlessness. Uh, what's the, the Watchman quote? The Superman is real. I was quote, the, the, the newscaster right. that I was quoted as saying, as, yeah. Superman is real, what I actually said is God is real. And he's American. And he's American. And if that doesn't give you a sense of trembling fear or whatever, um, yeah, then Wally. Yeah. And, and so, you know, then we go to Alfred and as everyone hears every, every, the beginning of every minute of the podcast for a reason, it's that the feeling, uh, the fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. So right there we have good men, the absolute virtue, problem of evil, becoming cruel. Why? Because of a feeling of powerlessness. Why a feeling of powerlessness? Because of the concept that there is something more powerful than you that gets to determine if your actions are good or not. Or gets to save you or not save you. And is you... The problem with free will then is does being you being saved or not saved correlate to whether or not you are good or evil or are they entirely separate things free will would say it's it's separate you choose good because you choose it if it wasn't be, if it wasn't a choice then it wouldn't be good and it wouldn't be evil it would just be a robotic right. you know can a robot do good things no it just does what its programmer told it to do you know if someone programs a robot to take care of the take care of widows and orphans that robot is not, maybe the programmer is good because they designed something to do that, but the robot isn't virtuous or not virtuous. It's just a thing conducting the actions determined for it by its master. Well, and I mean, that's a, every child, right? Like every child becoming an adult is kind of goes through that same thing, often a crisis of faith, but like I think in every person, a crisis of am I, what do I consider right or wrong? And like we witnessed that from Clark and Man of Steel. And not to put too fine a point on it, but I mean, Lex is literally realize the lesson he learned from his parent is that the world only makes sense if you force it to. And in hindsight, he revealed a whole lot more when he said that the problem of you on top of everything else, <laughs> because he's got a lot of problems that are going on here. Boy, does he got problems up here. Boy, does he have problems up here. Intellectually, this is the problem, is what is good, what is evil. This is the question that Superman has been dealing with. He's been listening to Charlie Rose. He's been listening to all of these pundits saying, which side is he on? He's been kind of saying, well, how do I, I'm not God. God takes sides. 
all of this comes to get to, you know, I mean, just a reminder, all of this came to a head for Clark when he went and had a vision of his father, giving him what on the surface appeared to be just another moral, like, or morally amoral dilemma. Yes, what was right and what was wrong. He almost set this up by saying, Lex is right. There is no right and wrong. But that scene ended by Clark saying, what gave you a solution? Uh, and he said, I, I, I met your mother. Mm -hmm. That is basically him saying like, you know, you're going to have to feel this out. Like you can't think this out. I think that for both Bruce and Clark, we can feel their emotion trying to pull them and eventually we'll pull them together. Spoiler. Uh, but for Lex from the first scene we had with him, it's been, you know, it's been categorized that his his emotional trauma is not at all what he is resisting. His not his emotion is not what is trying to open his eyes. His emotion is what is driving him. Yeah. So even if he claims it's intellect, I think that this minute leading up to you know fist and abominations, they need to see they need to see what a fraud you are. Which going back to Clark's, I I didn't see it because I wasn't looking. It's yeah. just hitting on all of like the number of not just thematically resonant, but but words that are are those oh that should raise a flag when they say you need to see in the same way that he talks about power and you think about oh the feeling of powerlessness that turns good and cruel and like all of these things are like like ding 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 like <laughs> if take a drink right every time that these themes come up like this whole minute is just all of it yeah as it all comes to a head with. With Lex saying they need to see with their eyes what a fraud you are, the blood on your hands. And boy, did he plan the speech out before he, <laughs> before he knew that he was going to have blood on his hands. <laughs> but, um, but that is where the minute ends, is him with palm raised. And we as viewers kind of go, oh, yeah. Well, we think to ourselves, oh, yeah, what was he doing there? Not knowing that we are teeing up Superman in the next minute. But um, but yeah, this is definitely a, a Lex. I think this reveals a lot about or, or kind of like cements a lot of what is Lex's motivation here. And I think that that's it can get really lost about what his what, what his motivation is. Oh, it's to kill Superman or people will say, you know, from the comics, it's because he doesn't like. I mean, honestly, most of the motivations credited to Lex Luthor in comics and like other media is. It is intellectual. It is hum human based, but in the most um, inhuman way, like a non individual way, where he says, you know, if, if Superman is around, then he is diminishing humanity or, or he's making humanity weaker or he is bringing solutions that are worse than the kind I could. And I don't think enough people acknowledge that in this version of the story of children traumatized by their parents of like sons, you know, traumatized by their, by their fathers, uh, intentionally or not that no, this Lex has, he, he, I would say it's my reading that he lost his faith or lost any notion of belief because of the violence that his father, um, you know, whether emotional or, or physical on him, his fist, so obviously physical, emotional, wrong category boy, um, and we've seen his office, that he so traumatized his son 
in along the way, Lex realized no one is saving me from this. Uh, this is wrong what he is doing to me. The world doesn't care. God doesn't care. He has then forced the world to make sense, which is that there is no right or wrong. No one is going to come save you. And now this guy comes out in shiny blue and red, and people say, oh, he's going to come out of the sky and, and save us. That's what he's here for. And now I need everybody to see what I saw. And it is totally personal. It is not intellectual. It is not human. I need you to be ended because if you are you, then I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why Bruce, I mean, that's why Bruce is also doing it, right? Is if, if y your, your sin is existing, that's, I'm going to steal that line from, from Lex because that is so calling directly back to this moment and we will talk about it, but yeah. Yeah. And I think that also speaking of, of fathers and we're talking about God intervening and I always go back to, to Fight Club, another one criticized for being just basic philosophy that teenage boys are attracted to. Uh, but the line Tyler Durden has in there about our perspective on, you know, and the, the, our perspective on God is influenced by our relationship with our father. And in, in the Bible or, you know, other religions also will lean on the metaphor of God as a as a father they'll they'll give that as a characterization of him or his role in the as a as a creator or whatever and so so in in fight club he says so if our if our fathers were were absent if we were all abandoned by our dad what does that say about god this is almost the opposite it's not that lex's dad was gone it's that lex's dad was not did not demonstrate for him what it like a an example of of good and evil he only demonstrated evil to him but also you look at these three figures that we have batman superman and lex the three orphans the three people driven by the legacy you know i'm older now than my father ever was this may be the only thing i do that matters but you know, what did we see from his father well his father was the one that raised a fist against joe chill and failed right why what was the point of that it didn't do any good it traumatized me for my entire life. And then you have Clark, who is his dad told him, you, you were here, sent here for a reason, but you need to make sure you understand what that is before you, you do anything. Yeah, a real shift from Old Testament to New Testament there in, uh, in Jonathan Kent, almost, almost implying that Superman would be a Christ-like figure there. Yeah, and so I think that, that really puts an interesting bow on that. On, on the three the uh, three orphan boys of the uh, of the story here I think it's also uh, any opportunity I get to call out ahead of you know man of Steel by the minute Jonathan where Clark said I will do harm by revealing myself and I will do harm by not so should I have done the one that I assume is morally more immediately wrong this is like a, a variation of a trolley problem and Jonathan, the New Testament God, I guess, says, I don't know. I, that, is, that, that is literally where this morality falls. And I think where a lot of people who, who question that, it, that's a very good point for them. Like if you, if you put two good things next to each other um, and you need to pick one, well, wh what all of your teaching about m what is morally right, what is ethically right, and being a good person is all of a sudden totally reduced to nothing. Yeah, which is why I think it's interesting that you look at the answers that each of them get about how do we deal with the problem of evil in the world. 
is Lex feels that he needs to to destroy the the idea that there is a absolute. Bruce also no longer believes in in moral absolutes, and but he believes that the world doesn't make sense, and it's up to him to force it to, which is, is another angle on a but a, a similar take as Lex. However, he instead of leaning into the good and evil don't exist, he leans into it is my job to be the absolute enforcer of good and evil, and you see that takes that he we can't be if you take if you put that on your shoulders, it makes you do bad things to to make everybody else bend to your will of good and evil. And then you have Jonathan Kent's answer on top of the mountain, which is he, he tells him, he tells Clark what was when he found his mother. What he does is he gives him an example of the world. The plurality of the world is not yours. You need to make your own world and be responsible for that. You, if you define your, your world is, I found my world was Lois and the far or not Lois, uh, Martha and the farm and you, and I could institute good and evil there or not institute, but I could have a, it, it, it was no longer my burden to grapple with these things. If I wasn't trying to be the decider for the whole world and only needed to worry about, about this, this part that matters to me. And so then, and that's what Clark then takes away from that also is what is, what is my world? I don't need to be out here saving, like, I can't save everybody. So who do I save? And Jonathan basically says, well, save your world. Yeah. This really puts a fine point on it. I don't think we discussed it in that minute. It is the question of, well, how do I figure out what to do? How do I resolve this and get the answer? And Jonathan said, you don't kid. Mm -hmm. Like you just don't. Um, That's not the point. Isn't making it make sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, or, uh, and then we move into the, these two characters. The, the, who, oh the point is, don't eat the fruit that tells yeah. you that it's your job. You wouldn't it be great if you didn't? Yeah, yeah. Uh, wouldn't it have been great if you didn't find out about the horses? I think it's also it's worth highlighting here that I think Bruce is aware he is doing something bad to do something good. Mm-hmm. I I do think that he it's all. Well, we've always been criminals. It's necessary. The ends justify yeah, the means. Yeah, he's lying to yeah. himself, you know? Yeah, that that this may be the only thing I do. He brought the war here. It isn't – so it's like I'm going to turn a blind eye to your innocence, to what is wrong about this, knowing that it is doing a greater good. And then Superman is kind of in a dilemma too. Like they, they've both kind of come from these moments of I've decided what I'm going to do, but I am not morally – resolved behind it. I don't understand it yet. And they're kind of thrown into contrast uh, with the the third point in this triangle, Lex, who absolutely is resolved. And everything that he's resolved to do, he has, in that, in that like, panting thing, he has created a side. Mm-hmm. And now Superman and Batman are both going to end up looking at this eventually and going, ooh, are we on that side? Mm-hmm. He almost did like the inverse version of it where there is no right. There is no wrong. There is no love. It's only to hurt. Uh, and then you, that's like the one thing that Batman and Superman are going to be like, well, that doesn't actually, ooh, I don't think that's true. They'll use different words to decide that. But that is, uh, do you have anything else? Yeah. Well, I think I would like to real quick before. So yeah, so we've, we've delved really deep specifically into like Lex's mindset and, and philosophy. There's a few other things that we kind of normally look at that I, I, we don't want to, you know, we don't have time to 
go back and delve into every single bit of this, but the actual filmmaking going on in this minute, I think there's some really fascinating things that I don't want to totally overlook. And uh, it starts with Superman goes up to the, to the top and there's, you know, we, we've talked about everything that Lex says. I think it's interesting that when Superman first arrives, as was called out in the last minute, we have another shot of Lex Superman and the bat signal all lined up representing these three orphans we were just talking about. And really interestingly that they maintain that shot as Lex is telling Clark, the problem of, of, uh, of evil, the problem of absolute good. And then you have Superman saying, I'm going to take you in without breaking you, which is more than you deserve, which is expressing a sense of a a legal justice restraint yeah a yeah. sense of restraint a sense of honoring these rules well lex is clearly just saying no what i say is the rule and superman is saying i want to do these things but i think it would be evil so i won't i am not adhering to my sense of what i want i'm adhering to a higher sense of good and evil and morality but steven i don't get it superman he just is that <laughs> He doesn't, he doesn't have a moral code. He just would never not it's do that. It's almost like it's important. It's almost like what I just said would make him a more boring character. <laughs> and, uh, well, like, if he didn't have free will, if he was just good because he yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. And then, but as he says this, we've got Superman drifts down like an angel. <laughs> just perfectly onto the, uh, I mean, not exactly like an angel, but it is a... It is a, a that shot really emphasizes his div- divinity in the face of, you know, Lex just standing there. Yeah, little. well, and his face is so twisted and, and, and mad, yet he does... When I say like an angel, it's because he, he literally... It's a perfect... You, don't, you can't even see when he hits... This is not him slamming down into the bunker in Africa to, to no, rescue... he's controlling every inch, But yeah. you can see the rippling anger in him, so... But then, so, so then Lex is listing Horus, Jehovah, uh, or Horus, Apollo, Jehovah, and you've still got the three of them lined up. But then when he says Clark, Joseph, Kent, the, the camera is literally panning in as he, as he zeroes in on that. And then now the bat signal is cut off. This is no longer about this pantheon of, of characters who land on this moral compass somewhere and play different roles in this equation. No, now this is about God and man. And so I just think that that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of other cinematography that's going on here that we, it doesn't really change from last minute as far as the lensing and everything. But I did find that that camera work and the inclusion of the, 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 the character is all great. And then obviously we can't, we can't not mention just the absolute next level scenery chewing being done by, by Lex here. I mean, do a freeze frame of any of his expression at any minute. He is pulling out all the stops He's a firebrand preacher. I mean, he's got his hand up in the air. He's like, it's, it's, uh, just unhinged yet. So calculated. It's, it's great. Hands in the pockets. When he said God, God's tribal is, is just burned into my memory of how he's so wired. And I think technically his first words in the minute are the problem of absolute or the problem of evil in the world, his his first sound is like throat clicking gurgles of like he's just so overcome with um Lexus. Yeah. And then if you watch <laughs> when he gets to delivery from deliver me from daddy's fists and abominations, obviously he gets very emotional there, just in terms of the intensity of his delivery. But you see as he transitions from that into I figured all the I figured out way back, God is all powerful, he is up to this, like he is the the epitome of control here. Batman is this unhinged rage monster. Superman is this 
kind of stoic trying to maintain a sense of balance and good and evil. And then here, up until this point, Lex has been the calculated, perfect plan. Yeah. Everything Aloof, plays out yeah. to the second, and he, he literally loses physical control of his own body here as, yeah. as he's shaking. At, and he's not shaking at the trauma. He's shaking at the suggestion that God allowed the trauma to happen. To that point, I do feel like this is where we meet Lex. Like, this is where we see who he really is. Mm -hmm. This kind of becomes who he is for the, last, for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Oh, is this the first time he said out loud this righteous anger? Right. Which is... That... that yeah. yeah, which is exactly why then when he transitions to... Like you were saying, this is who he is. That's why after that moment with the shaking and the re revelation of this is what matters to him. Like why the why this is the only thing I'll do that matters. They need to see exactly. They need to see you for the fraud that you are with their eyes. They need to know the blood on your hands. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. How dare you exist and not save everything? That concludes the minute. Yeah. We leave it there in minute 115, a minute that I know we were looking forward to talking about. We were both looking forward to and like, boy, this is going to be our own, you know, mountain to climb yeah. here. It's not but, over uh, either. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. Superman finally gets to kind of uh, respond in the next minute, in the next second, actually. Yeah. Speaking of- That will have to yet wait. And yet continuing the clearly, like, this entire stretch is flawlessly because he says, the, the blood on your hands, minute ends right there and so when we're talking about this this entire thing like we structured this out in terms of here's what lex is doing he's got this he's establishing his 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 mechanism by which his, his sense making mechanism and his his thought machine here and the fact that of the things that are covered on this on the top here the end of this minute literally marks the transition from here is why i say this up until and now what are we going to do about it Minute 116 will be the answer to that question. In the meantime, what can you do to engage with the podcast and support conversations that are just like these ones? That answer I can give. You can follow us on Twitter at BVS by the minute. You can give us a review in your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe, listen to all of our episodes, and you can also go to patreon.com slash Snyder Minute to support this and all our other past upcoming nascent podcasting experiments. You'll get uh, episodes early and then some bonus ones as well. But boy, oh boy. Ninja 116 is going to go from, it's like, well, Lex, Lex is kind of going from a philosopher to a fight promoter. <laughs> yeah. The tone will shift a little bit, but I do feel like now we have met Lex and I will tee it up by saying that we are asking the same thing Superman is, which is what have you done? The basic idea is that God is a being who is worthy of worship obedience and is such that we should we should be on his side and if god is really worthy of worship god is also perfectly good a god of love one who never does anything out of spite or out of carelessness or out of hate or envy really hard to imagine what it's like to be god you know uh, there's this famous article by tom nagel on what it's like to be a bat yeah. that's a lot harder to imagine <laughs> what it's like to be god